listen, folks. Democrats are being hailed for pulling off historic wins in these midterm elections. But their performance merely affirmed Winston Churchill's famous adage that, <laughs> despite all its faults, democracy is the best form of government that has ever been tried. After all, just weeks ago, pundits and politicians alike were warning that a Republican red wave was about to wash away centuries of American democracy and that when it recedes, it would leave behind a Trumpian dystopia of election-denying fascists, conspiracy nuts, and cult worshippers. I'm sorry, please forgive my froggy voice. I'm nursing a cold, but she who must be obeyed told me to get in the closet and start recording because it will get better as I go along. <laughs> so please bear with me and we shall see. Russian President Vladimir Putin, a.k.a. Trump's puppet master, was so sure this red wave would play out as Republicans hyped and Democrats feared that he had his propagandists all over Russian state TV and Fox News telegraphing what dire consequences it portended for Ukraine. This egomaniacal gnome even ordered his besieged troops in Kherson to hold off retreating to save their lives, because he thought their retreat would help Biden and the Democrats in these midterms. But given the results, Trump and the Republicans are probably saying, thanks for nothing, Putin. More to the point, though, as President Joe Biden is so fond of saying, it's never been a good bet to bet against America. And, sure enough, the only red wave we saw last week was the blushing realization on Republican faces as they turned red with a fusion of rage and embarrassment. This, as results began showing that, thanks to MAGA candidates who offered only Trumpian lies and promised only loyalty to Trump, their Republican red wave was crashing up against a Democratic seawall. In fact, Democrats ended up not only retaining control of the Senate, but are poised to pick up an additional seat to mansion-proof their control. Because everyone expects Democrat Raphael Warnock to beat Republican Herschel Walker in the Georgia runoff on December 6. This, especially with Republicans like Nikki Haley, the Indian-American former governor of South Carolina, trying to woo Georgia voters by telling them that Warnock, 
the black American who is even more American than apple pie and Chevrolet, should be deported. Sadly, like Justice Clarence Thomas, Haley showed that she's just a female, Uncle Tom, who Republicans can rely on to be so eager to please whites in their party that they would say racist things no self-respecting white would ever say. Yes, Democrats lost control of the House, but they held Republicans to a bedeviling single-digit majority instead of the 40- to 60-seat majority everyone predicted would be the case. And there is no denying the heart-breaking irony that, but for shocking losses in the deep blue states of New York and California, Democrats would have retained control there too. So, it behooves them to address the two prevailing issues that caused those losses, namely menacing crime sprees in New York and unsightly homelessness in California. Even so, I cannot overstate the feat of Democrats defying history and punditry by delivering the best midterm election results for a sitting president in over 50 years. Of course, having signed into law legacy-defining legislation on infrastructure, health care, and climate change, Biden was already being hailed as the most successful president since JFK. But he is now destined to have a greater impact on shaping the federal judiciary than any president in U.S. history. Meanwhile, Republicans are making clear their intent to block all legislative initiatives over the next two years, which is why Biden and the Democrats would be well advised to use this lame duck session until Congress convenes on January 3 to pass as many critical bills as possible. Most notably, they should pass legislation to fund the government through the next fiscal year. But they should also raise the debt ceiling to avoid Republicans holding the full faith and credit of the U.S. hostage, you know, so they could extract concessions to fund things like the completion of Trump's border wall. Uh, by the way... Funding the government constitutes what Washington insiders call must-pass legislation, and it's customary practice for members of both parties to append funding for other measures to it. Accordingly, Democrats should append funding for Ukraine, enough to get them through the next two years of fighting and rebuilding. This would not only provide the support Ukraine needs to continue defending itself, but make even clearer to Russia the utter futility of continuing to wage its war. 
Not to mention that it would also deprive Republicans of Trumpian machinations to undermine Biden's declared intent to win the clash between democracies and autocracies, especially on the front lines in Ukraine. Of course, the Democrats should also pass the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, which is intended to fend off thriving Republican Jim Crow 2.0 efforts to limit voting rights for black folks across the country. Except they won't, for the same reason they failed to pass it earlier this year. I shall suffice to reiterate in this regard that only latent racism explains Democratic senators like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema being more interested in preserving the way senators used the filibuster to deny voting rights for blacks in the 20th century than in simply amending the filibuster to protect voting rights for blacks in the 21st. But I said all I care to about these enemies in their midst in episode 53, titled Mansion, the Manchurian Senator, bedeviling Joe Biden's agenda. As feckless consolation, I suspect Congress will pass the Electoral Account Act, which is intended to make it harder for election-denying fascists to meddle with the certification of presidential election results. <laughs> Except... Why would MAGA insurrectionists need to meddle if their Jim Crow 2.0 gerrymandering and voter suppression laws have already rigged the partisan and racist results they seek? <laughs> Unfriggin' believable. But I cannot resist venting just a little about the media's role in mainstreaming Trump and his spawn of election liars, conspiracy peddlers, and treasonous insurrectionists. Because these trolls clearly wake up every morning thinking, not how can I serve my constituents today, but what outrageous thing can I tweet or say? to ensure I get saturation media coverage. And like Pavlovian dogs, self-righteous anchors on cable TV feign outrage while covering those outrageous things every time. Because doing so generates train wreck ratings. This is why Democratic-leaning anchors on CNN and MSNBC, who decry the coarsening of public debate and the threat Trump and his spawn pose to American democracy, are nothing more than complicit ingrates biting the hand that feeds them. In any event... Biden would be well advised to take these results as both a vindication and a valediction. Foremost, 
he could fairly claim that he's the most successful one-term president in U.S. history. And, to back it up, he could cite his legislative achievements, judicial appointments, efforts to make American politics decent and respectable again, as well as his restoration of U.S.-led NATO as the greatest defensive alliance in the history of mankind, noting especially its leadership in helping Ukraine fend off Russia's genocidal onslaught. And then he could joke that when your kids start telling you you're getting too old to drive a car, it's probably a good indication that you're getting too old to run a country. <laughs> and reminding everyone that he's famous for never tempting fate, he could say, having served his purpose, this is the season to give the Democratic Party and the country an early Christmas present. With that, Biden should announce that he's passing the torch to a new generation of Democratic leaders to continue the good work of showing the world why it's never a good bet to bet against America, and that he will not be seeking a second term accordingly. And yes, this announcement would be consistent with my prediction that the contest for 2024 will feature Democrat Gavin Newsom against Republican Ron DeSantis. Regular readers of my blog know that I advised Biden to do this in my post-election commentary on November 9. He has yet to do so. But you can imagine how heartened I was today when Speaker Pelosi heeded it by announcing that she's passing the torch so a new generation can assume leadership of the Democratic Party when the new session of Congress convenes in January. In short, Pelosi stole Biden's thunder. But the political imperative remains such that he would still be well advised to follow her lead. Of course, Trump is still the big elephant in the room. And, in trademark shameless fashion, he ignored the omen of only one of the high-profile candidates he endorsed winning their election. This is why he defied common sense to make a show on Tuesday of declaring his 2024 presidential run for the White House. It's as if, after getting Republicans tired of losing congressional elections, Trump wants to get them tired of losing presidential ones, too. <laughs> but I'm on record in podcast episodes and blog commentaries asserting my belief that Trump will be either dead, indicted, or in prison by the fall of 2024, 
which will preclude him getting elected. <laughs> this is why I couldn't be any less interested in his campaign this time around. Uh, frankly, the only interesting thing about his big announcement was seeing Melania there. You need only recall all those viral videos during his presidency, showing her brushing off his attempts to hold her hand in public, because they reinforced the narrative that she not only hated being First Lady, but could not wait to divorce him after leaving the White House. Yet there she was, standing by her man. <laughs> Indeed, it seems Donald has turned Melania from a trophy wife into a Stepford wife, because only that explains her putting up with all he was and has become. Exhibit A is this twice-impeached, coup-plotting, gilded tower grifter, blaming her for inducing him to endorse so many Trumpian losers like Dr. Oz. This just goes to show that there is nobody, and I mean nobody, this narcissistic oaf won't throw under the bus, even if only in a vain attempt to protect his man-child ego. Which is why the wonder continues to be that anyone, and I mean anyone, still shows him even an ounce of loyalty. But nothing damned Melania standing there quite like Trump's own daughter, Ivanka, declaring her intent to avoid his campaign this time like the plague. <laughs> One can hardly blame her, of course. After all, never before in the history of American politics has one man cost one party so much power, all in pursuit of power for himself. Yet, like Melania, it seems Republican leaders just can't quit Trump. <laughs> That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor... I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.